And we are back. That's right, back again for another episode of the Hoop Club. Yes, sir, and as always, rocking with ya. It's your main man for Ross in the building. And I got with me, as always, on this fine Sunday morning, my brother, Stir Fry Ty. Hey. Yes, sir. Hey, how you feeling, Faraz? I'm good, my brother. I'm good. And I just realized I said stir fry and I'm mixing, but I feel good, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So me and Faraz are here today to talk about summer league basketball, right? We got some summer league stars impressing early, and I don't think there's any spot better, more fitting to start in first than the number one pick, Paolo Banchero. And uh, he's been balling for this Magic Summer League team, showing everyone why he went number one overall. The poise stands out. This is a guy that's really doing everything in a 6'10", Aki frame. Like 23-6, steals, game ceiling block and assist to get that victory over Keegan yep. Murray and the Sacramento Kings. And the Kings are bad, so you know that Summer League roster is pretty good. Um, 100%. Very impressive outing. <laughs> For yeah. Paolo Benchero. Yeah, man. And and we didn't mention even that this game went into triple overtime, right? I'm, mm. Did you mention it? Yeah, that game no, went into triple. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So the poise, right? That's that's deep into the game, right? That's way past 48 minutes for <laughs> Paolo to have the type of poise for that game-winning block. Um, you mentioned it, man. This kid has impressed early and often. And uh, it looks like he's going to have a bright career with this Orlando Magic team. Um, I think that this Magic team is finally starting to get some pieces together. Cole Anthony, you know, they're developing Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, you know, um, paired with Paolo Banchero. You have you have players to work around. You know what I mean? We have a few guys each year coming to the league with the quote-unquote title of point forward, but rarely are they trusted enough from game one of season one to actually have that opportunity to bring the ball up, to facilitate as a big man in the NBA. Paolo's going to get that opportunity because as good as Cole Anthony is, as good as Markel Fultz is, the upside is nowhere near what this kid can be. Like Paolo, I've seen enough right now. Front runner for rookie of the year for sure. There's a lot of good draft picks in this class, but I think Paolo's going to be that constant this year on the, on, the rookie, on the rookie leaderboards. I can see Ivy sneaking up, get a couple rookie of the month. Same thing with Chet, but... I think he's taking the hardware home, man. At least he's a front runner right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Um, just from his frame, like just from his ability on the floor. It, it, you mentioned it. He does everything, man. He he can bring the ball up the floor, play make. He facilitates the offense. He plays defense. He scores. He can get his own whenever and uh, as often as he wants, right? He's one of those guys who has the ability to kind of turn it on and off. Um, but with all that being said, man, I think the Orlando Magic made a great choice. A lot of talent at the top of this draft this year around and i think paulo was their guy i think that was the best choice they made or the i think they were made the right choice taking about uh paulo at number one but actually just makes sense to go into number two i know i have him flip-flopped in the in the rundown but might as well go here so from there we got to take it to the number two pick chet holmgren great debut had everyone jumping out their chairs my boy dylan hit the group chat up like y'all see the guy y'all see the kid uh <laughs> Had to slow your roll. Expectations were tampered after the couple games following. He's had some tough matchups that have raised some questions. 
We know the size, the frame. He's out there looking like a toothpick. And it's a challenge on defense. Sometimes it's a challenge on offense. Um, yep. But but the potential's still there. Me and Faraz said he was going to be a project, and that means that, yes, he has the skill. Yes, he has the mentality, but it's going to take some time to adjust to the physicality. In the yeah, the, there's no doubt about it. And um, me and Ty, you know, it's funny. We had a little hoop plug business meeting call earlier in the week, and, you know, we're talking about some of the things we wanted to include in the rundown. And this guy came up uh, in both of our conversations, right? And we didn't really speak about it. I don't want to steal the, t- the, the topic from Ty, right? But, man, how good has Kenneth Lofton Jr. been so far in this summer league, man? Because Chet Holgram came out in his debut, was looking like a star, was looking like they should have taken him number one, was looking like he was NBA ready right now, right? Um, and he has a rude awakening, an undrafted pick or undrafted free agent signs Kenneth Lofton Jr. you know what I mean and he gives Chet Holgram the absolute business and you look at it you see okay this is a a mismatch Chet's got at least four five six inches on this guy but Kenneth Lofton Jr. showed everybody what it means to be a true bully in this league you know what I'm saying (laughs) let's go shout out Jacoby from Jalen and Jacoby he patented the term stretch mark four yo Kenneth Lofton (laughs) embodying the phrase yo that's awesome i love this kid bro i love his game his father was a beast in the major leagues and he's got the pedigree like he is not scared for someone that wasn't a lottery i don't even know if he was first round i don't think he was drafted <laughs> he was undrafted. to come out like this number two pick i'm taking this through your chest <laughs> that's what he was saying that's the type of time Mr. Lofton was on it, and I'm I'm very much here for it. Yeah, man, and you guys got to understand, this guy Kenneth Lofton Jr. has gotten himself, and you might you might laugh when I say this, right, in shape for this NBA Summer League, right? If you look at a couple pictures of him when he was in Louisiana Tech getting a 36.18 rebound game, right, you're like, man, that fat guy did that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he's an absolute bucket, man. I love his game. It reminds me of somebody that uh, we've all come to know and love right? Um, if any of you guys know me, you know me <laughs> to be an avid fan of the NBA and an avid player of the game of basketball, right? So I think that I'm the one who prototyped this Kenneth Lofton Jr. type play style. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take the stretch four, stretch mark four. You know, I don't want none of that action. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but what I will say is this, me and Kenneth Lofton Jr. play exactly the same way. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in the league, you know? So I'm not going to get the recognition for being the prototype, but <laughs> now nah, I'm playing. But with all that being said, though, nah, it's, a, it's a good story with this young man. And not to take anything away from Chet Holgram, but I think Ty had it beautifully said. Um, the kid is good, you know what I mean? But he has some work to get his toughness and his strength up. Because, uh, again, all jokes aside, Kenny Lofton isn't going to be getting any major playing time with any, you know, franchises this season probably. So if he's able to give you the business. I think, I think you're... Sorry to cut you off. I think you're right on that, but I hope you're wrong. I, exactly. I know he's on the Grizzlies. I, I really <clears throat> want to see him get rotational minutes. I hope he earns them. I hope, uh, what's, I don't remember the coach name, but I hope they give it to him. They're a franchise that believes in the underproven, not underproven, the, the underrated prospect. They got Desmond Bain on the second round. He's a big part. They've gotten other guys that are contributors, Tyus Jones. Um, Their whole roster, man. Kyle Anderson, yeah. guys who, you know, you might have counted out. Yeah, and uh, back to Chet, though, for a second. Like you were saying, 
we've seen him struggle against the more NBA ready talent here in the summer league. Yeah. Kenny Lofton, Jabari Smith Jr., both who we guys we consider top talents in this draft, giving him fits. Um, Taco Fall, not really. Well, Taco Fall doesn't really get minutes. We <laughs> talked about that game from Paolo, how he had that 23-6-6 game against the Kings in double overtime to win it. Well, there's a reason that game got to OT in the first place, and the reason is Keegan Murray, okay? Because he helped the Kings score six points in the final seven seconds, channel that inner T-Mac, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and force overtime. Yeah, man, that inner T-Mac, that, in, that inner Reggie Miller. And he showed me he came to play. He's like, listen, fellas, y'all should have been watching. I deserve to be drafted just a tad bit higher. Fourth ain't bad, you know what I'm saying? But uh, two or three would have been better. You know, shoot, he felt he could have been coming for that one spot. But I think, you know, Orlando coming up, sealing the deal. Paolo said, you know, settle down a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. And I, I like the comparison that he did, dubbed himself. <laughs> Funny, after his first game, he was like, I watched a lot of Chris Middleton. That's the guy I try to model my game after. And I see it, man. I can tell mm -hmm. the jumper is real enticing. Chris Middleton is a guy that kind of built his offensive game around having a good jumper. Right, he has a simplistic handle, but it's functional and it gets him where he needs to go. Keegan Murray is built of the same ilk. You know what I'm saying? Yep. This simple skill set, but gets it done. He's not what some define as a true baller. He's not got the wiggle in his handle or the freak athleticism, but solid all around the board. Um, and he can definitely be a functional, winning basketball player in the NBA. Just not on the Kings. The winning part. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part, uh, no one's been able to do it. Not even our writer, hopeful, yeah. Jason Thompson. And uh seems Ty's got a little soft spot for somebody named Murray. You know what I mean? He's got to show him the love. <laughs> You're not wrong there. You know? Always nice to see your name in the lights. <laughs> All right, so we already <laughs> talked about Kenneth. I got to squeeze in one more rookie. Um, people aren't really going to get him in the news cycle because he went down early, I think, four minutes into his second summer league game, and that's Jaden Ivey. Right? This okay. is the guy I wanted the Knicks to draft very highly. Um, yeah. And he went over the shot and got, I went up for a jumper and got Zaza Pachulia. Someone snuck under him, took his ankles out, and uh, he went down. Probably missing the rest of Summer League, unfortunately. But yeah, I talked about game he cooked. Yeah, he did. He did. Hates to see it. He was very visibly upset <laughs> about getting hurt in that fashion on that stage. And you can't be mad at that. But in my. Front runners for, for rookie of the year, Paolo one in power rankings. Number two is Chet. And 2B for me is Jaden Ivey. I think he's going to be right there for a bad Detroit team. He's going to be a one-two punch with Cade. It's going to look beautiful. The force and aggression he plays with. He's throwing lobs. He's catching them too. Terror on the break. Getting to the cup at will. Scary hours for Detroit. I think this is going to be a very sneaky good year. Playing team. Detroit's on the rise. Yeah, man. You said it. Um, Jada and Ivy, you know, you hate to see him going down so early, so young, only in the summer league. But, again, he'll have time to come back. You know, not too serious of an injury, we hope. Um, and with that being said, you mentioned it, man. He cooked in his first game, went down early in his second. So the Pistons have a lot to look forward to from this young man going forward. Word. So, one more story from Summer League, and no, it didn't have to do with any fresh new faces, but actually two of the oldest in the NBA. Because right as the Lakers' Summer League game was 
getting set to be played. Russell Westbrook and Braun walk in. But unlike last year, they're not walking in together. Them boys were social distancing, <laughs> sitting on opposite ends of the court. And uh, it was Braun, Darvin Ham, the new head coach, and Rob Polinko on one side, and then Russ sitting courtside on the opposite end, trying to do some coaching for the young guys. And for us, do you read into this all? Do you think that was some some messaging, some subliminal? Uh, not non media personnel for us is thinking. You know, their agents just didn't get them the same tickets. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, they, they, it was just a coincidence, right? But uh, <laughs> who plug radio broadcaster for us thinks this is no coincidence at all. The tension is there. LeBron is upset. Russell feels underappreciated. Rob Palinka has been showing snake-like tendencies, all right? So uh, with all that being said, you know, LeBron shows love and shows support to his teammates, which was very um which was evidenced when Scottie Pippen made the and one play fell into the stands LeBron was the first one he wasn't even suited up to go he was the first one to help his new young teammate up off the floor right and I'm sure Russell Westbrook was wondering where's the brotherly love you know what I'm saying so um I think it's deeper than rap I think Mm. all the rumors are starting to surface that there might be more to this than just rumors right um, we've heard that the Nets and the Lakers, we know that they've been engaging in trade conversations, right? And exactly. the most, one of the most recent things that came out was that the Nets wanted more than just Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving. And I think the Lakers are thinking about doing that, right? And so if I'm Russell Westbrook, that rubs me the wrong way. And I got to give it to everybody. Russell Westbrook had probably the worst season in his career since he's been established in the league. Honestly, if you look at percentages, points, everything. everything's down you know what i'm saying which we expected if he was going to be you know the third star in that whole offense but at times there were opportunities where he was the only star for large stretches and large games where lebron was out ad was out and when these guys came back he just could not get it together but all those things being said russell westbrook will be a hall of famer russell westbrook is an nba top 75 player i think the guy deserves just a little bit more respect you know what i mean I agree with that sentiment. I echo it. And I think what you said is right. Like, we didn't expect him to come out and average another triple-double this year. But what we did expect was some more efficiency, some less turnovers, and just a cleaner game. Yeah. Um, But back to Summer League, it's obvious it's the Kyrie Irving trade, right? We know it's been well-documented that LeBron and Russ were good friends, spending Taco Tuesdays at each other's house. You know what I'm saying? And, And now... Apparently, a riff, maybe a riff. I mean, that might be media reading into it, but if you're Russell Westbrook, knowing what we know about Russell Westbrook, he can't respond too kindly to the <laughs> GM shopping him on the market. He can't, okay? And uh, I think that's a little case of what's going on here. The other angle, right, what, what caught a lot of flack, undeservedly so, is billionaire Braun sitting courtside and bringing his own snacks. His own goddamn trail mix. <laughs> but, but let me ask the question. <clears throat> what do you want Bron to do? Is he supposed to walk up in the aisles to the concession stands? <laughs> I know he's not eating no glizzies. That's for damn sure, especially not in this economy and in this cultural era. You know what I'm saying? Too many TikToks, you know? Um, but with that being said, the media, I'm glad that you mentioned it. The media be doing too much. 
Man, just having a courtside snack, like, at the game, like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, Come he on. brought his own Lobos tequila to a sideline game, and that got less attention. Like, Facts. <laughs> And this is the summer league we're talking about here, right? This is not a, this is not practice. No, what is it? This is not a game. You know what I'm saying? This is not a league game. It's not the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they have courtside waiters and waitresses. Take well, your order. You know what I'm saying? Braun ain't walking up into the, the aisles to, <laughs> to grab some popcorn. No, you're, that's facts. And it looks like LeBron's taking some notes out of, uh, Dirk Nowitzki's book. You know, he's still, he's famous for his home to go plates before games with the foil wrap. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's one of those. That's one of those kind of vibes, you know what I'm saying? So, definitely, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I, that's the route that I would choose. So, facts. It also brings up memories of Joel Embiid eating them to go burgers, looking like the Ruby Tuesdays to go burgers uh, on the on the training <laughs> table before game. <laughs> Young Joel was a menace, man. I kind of miss that guy. When yeah, he was man. Dunking on heads and then putting it on Instagram after. This, what the city of Philadelphia will do to you, my friend. You hate right. to see it. <laughs> Again, shouts out to our boy Fig for giving us this idea. We are debuting a new, brand new segment to the plug titled What If. What If is a segment where we discuss scenarios that almost happened in the league and would have altered the course of NBA history. With all the Kyrie to LA smoke, we thought we should dive into the, what the NBA would look like if the Bron Kai duo never broke up in the first place, right? If they were both wearing the same jersey Faraz is wearing right now, how would the NBA be different? Yeah, guys, it's it's a really important question to pose, right? So you gotta understand. Fresh off a championship the year before, a finals loss, an opportunity to run it back. Kyrie Irving chose superstardom in Boston overstaying with the king and potentially potentially building a dynasty and what ty said again this jersey right here and by the way this is a first stint not a second stint just gotta gotta throw that out there <laughs> but with that being said though yeah man you said it the nba would be a much different place right the balance would be completely different i don't think lebron james's legacy gets impacted as bad as it did and rushes him to leave to the lakers in the way that he did i think he they would have been together. They would have been fighting for more. I think they would have been more competitive in those series. Not to say they would have stole one because those Warriors teams were just so good. But think about all the aftermath that happened afterwards. We have a Raptors championship. LeBron goes to the Lakers, wins a bubble ring. You know what I mean? Um, Golden, State's finds, Golden State finds its way back in the finals after the Bucks win the championship the year before. The NBA is going to uncertainty after it was basically LeBron in the finals for 10 years, then LeBron versus Golden State for the last five, man. I think we would have had more of the same if Kyrie never left. You know what I mean? I think this, that was actually a great thing for the league. Yeah, because Kyrie was looking over at Golden State. KD had just came to the squad, tore it up, killed him, hit the dagger in Bron's face to secure <laughs> the title. And... Kai's looking at him like, I don't know what I could do with that. But let's take you deeper into that Cleveland drama, all right? Kyrie was on first take with Stephen A, threatening to get surgery, a non-needed surgery, pull a Scottie Pippen if he wasn't <laughs> traded. Uh, Kyrie soon after learned that the grass ain't always greener on the other side. But what we learned about Kyrie because he just tried that move again. It was a little different bluff. 
But we learn that it is a bluff, right? He said, Brooklyn, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to L.A. for $6 million just because I don't want to be here anymore. And about 24 hours later, he was resigning for $36 (laughs) So they keep Kyrie. Now you have Kyrie and Braun. You're going to lose to KD a couple more years. Does KD still want to leave Golden State if he thinks he can't win in Brooklyn because he's not going to be with Kyrie and Kyrie and LeBron are still together? Do you think that changes his decision? I think he stayed with Golden State after that. Basically, we would have had another five years of LeBron, Steph, (laughs) Kyrie, KD, like basically Cavs Warriors. You know what I'm saying? And then you're talking about 13 years of LeBron in the finals. Does that put him past Michael? Well, not if he he lost all of them. I think that well, Ka- well then they they probably get the Toronto chip because KD gets hurt, Clay gets hurt. Well, there you go. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that. They're able to squeeze one. LeBron's so at four, LeBron's, anyways. Yeah, he's still at four, so that doesn't change much there. But at the but, same time, with the I don't know, it's something about being in that that Cleveland, being LeBron from Cleveland in those Cleveland colors, like the team that drafted you. Being so consecutive, like, that that would have added something to it. You know what I'm saying? Because you have the four years prior with the Heat. That's true. Now let's take it here. Boston's point of view. They don't trade Isaiah Thomas. He still has that hip injury. He's never the same. They probably, knowing Danny Ainge, he probably finds a way to still get off that contract and kick him somewhere else, even if it isn't <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. Um, I don't think this changes their course. They no, still not- have Jason Tatum. They still have Jalen Brown. They develop and grow together, especially with Marcus Smart. I think they still find their way back to the finals. Cleveland, I don't know what Cleveland's vaccine mandate is. If Kyrie Cleveland ain't got no vaccine mandate, All right, man. Nah, it's so Cleveland. The, so, <laughs> so Cleveland beats Boston this year. This year's Boston, you think? I would, I would think so. So, te- so right, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. All of those guys, the exact same rosters, basically, as we had in this past season. I don't know, man. That's the thing, right? When you have literally LeBron and, and Kyrie together, like, let's just say they're everyone's, both teams are fully healthy. I can't see them losing to Jason Tatum and Jalen. Like, no, so who do we have to remove from the Cavs roster right now, right? Um, they don't have the bad losing seasons. They don't have Garland. They don't have Mobley. Well, that's the supporting cast would be terrible at this point because yeah. Jr. would have already been gone. Like they would have basically just filled the roster with Jr. and um, uh, Iman Shumpert type players. <laughs> Caleb would probably still be on the roster for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they don't they don't, don't get Jared Allen. Yeah, because they're probably like a five seed and they have to take a hard route. I think so. I think Boston still damn ain't shit change. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. Boston would be the better team, but then I could see LeBron and Kyrie doing what they do every year is just putting up 40 each or 30 and 40. You know what I, I mean? Know. They were running through the East, bro. You saw what they did to KD and they would have had a hell of a game plan. They shut down Kyrie and KD. So they already got the Kyrie part figured out. If yeah. they just figure out LeBron to a certain extent, then you would think. Yeah. But then again, all that doubling shit, you can't do that with LeBron because he's a passer. Exactly. And then on top of that, right, I think it's... um. There was so little chemistry between the two of them, and then they lost James Harden. They were deflated. Like, I don't know. Like, I just felt like it wasn't a true... Last year, although they did get swept, like, Boston was the way better team. They deserved to beat the brakes off them, which they did. But I feel like 
it wasn't like a true testament to what the team was because they didn't have enough game together. They never really meshed. I think the one play where the Brooklyn Nets actually meshed last year is the one where I think whoever got the steal, Blake Griffin behind the back, someone throws the uh, alley-oop off the backboard to KD. That's the one play where I'd say they yeah. were clicking, you know? And it's funny. You kind of saw more of that last year. I think part of it was them having more opportunities to play together, um, yeah. James Harden included in that, but... Yeah. yeah, it is. It that is true. The ball was never popping around. It never felt like it should with the offensive talent they had. And not to take away from what the Celtics did, because they beat the brakes. Uh, the Nets were the only team swept in the entire playoffs. Like you gotta, you gotta put like a little asterisk next to that. Like, damn. And the Celtics Facts. were the ones who did it to them. So this is the last thing I want to take it with the what if segment. Kyrie and LeBron never break up as a duo. The character arc of Kyrie. Right. And what I mean by that is just his personality, his his outlook on life and the NBA and everything in between. Um, he stays with LeBron. He still feels like he's in his shadow because that doesn't change. No matter where you change the pieces in this NBA 75, Kyrie and LeBron on the same team. Kyrie is still in LeBron's shadow. And we know that Facts. was pissing him off at the moment. It still pisses him off. I think we probably have a, a a season where he only plays like 20 games because he doesn't feel like it. Yep. <laughs> I think he still ends up the same guy, though. What do you think on that? What's your take? Kyrie loves to be the villain, bro. He would have found one way to, to do it, you know, one way or another. You know what I'm saying? With all that being said, you can't forget, you know, COVID happened. Kyrie became a Muslim, you know, he stopped believing in that flat world nonsense, flat earth nonsense, you know? So I think there's a certain maturity to Kyrie. Kyrie is a very smart person. A lot of people get on him for being selfish, right? And at the end of the day, that's a that's a character trait that you're not going to change or, you know what I'm trying to say? So I think we still kind of see, the, I think we see villain Kyrie. It just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles that he's in LeBron's shadow that it gets to a point where he just explodes. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> yeah. And let me acknowledge that I feel the same way as you. Um, I think Kyrie is probably one of the smartest people in the NBA. Yeah. I think he thinks about things a lot. I think he's very insightful um, and for the most part has a positive outlook. He just also has some Kanye West in him. Facts. And, and that's okay. Like, not everyone's supposed to feel the same way and consistent with their emotions. Like, some people are more bipolar. Like, that's not something that most can control. And I don't think he should be blamed for it. But 100%. I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that that's part of who he is. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, with that being said, I think that wraps up our first edition of our What If segment. And it wraps up another episode of the Hoop Plug. Ty, any closing remarks before we get this show on the road? As always, it's been great. Appreciate y'all for listening. Make sure you share this podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Check out the Hoop Plug. And as always, remember, put some flavor in your ear. Peace. 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 Peace.